Greetings, everyone. It is now time for Marked Safe. Tales of your very favorite and most beloved disasters. On Mark Safe, we discuss events and details that some may find disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. Please listen responsibly and stay safe. And now, here with your hosts, Brianne and Melanie, this is Mark Safe. Hello. Hello. I am so excited today. Me too. We get to start a new bracket, and I don't know what the fuck your episode is about, but you seem to have a lot of feelings about it. I have some big feelings about it. I, You know what? Between a new bracket and big feelings, I'm here for it. Yes. Going to start in a minute now, and uh, yeah, big feelings, I'm here for them. Oh my gosh, it's so funny because um, there's this TikTok account that started like January 1st. It's called Turnaround Allen. Has that showed up on your FYP yet? Uh-uh, I don't think so. So it's two guys, they work on a rig and they're like, they sit with like their backs to each other. And this guy's like asking his coworker like the most random questions, <laughs> right? And uh-huh. the, you never see the guy's face. He doesn't turn around. And it's just, it's wild because the guy is just like no filter at all. (laughs) And I completely forgot where I was going with this. I Um, don't know, but the not turning around is low-key giving me Home Improvement Wilson vibes. (laughs) What were we talking about just two seconds ago? Uh, The fact that I'm going to start any minute and and we're here for big feelings. Perfect. So... I'm sure everyone loves that we're having a period corner at the top of every episode lately. (laughs) I promise this is the last time that's ever going to happen. No, it's not. But as a result of me. Okay. Are you not having a period anymore? No, I am. I'm just not contractually obligated to discuss it on my podcast. Oh, okay. Okay. (laughs) Well, anyway, so they both work on an oil rig and they're on hitches, um, like a lot of um, like the oil rig people, helicopter pilots, all that stuff. So basically a hitch is like you work a certain amount of time and then you have the same amount of time. So he was saying, he's like, this is the last day. And then we're, we have 28 days off and then we'll be back on. I was like, awesome. You're synced up to my cycle. Oh, my God. <laughs> Which I'm sure is not what any oil rig guys want to hear. But I you let them let know. You should let them know, though. Let them know in the comments. Did oh, you? I did. I did. Oh, of course you did. Bless. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> but yeah, check. Turn around, Alan. It, it like blew up so fast. Like they started January 1st. And like the last I checked, it was like... Over 350,000 followers. It's Wow. Hysterical. I'm going to have to look into this. Yeah. All right. Let's get into the bracket. Let's do it. We're, we're cracking open a new one, and I am psyched. Mm, we're doing favorite smells. I loved pairing these. <sighs> I think this is the prettiest bracket that I've done, too. Oh, it's beautiful. It's lovely. I love it so much. Okay. So first up, and I... I hope everybody got the brackets in. Maybe I'll set a reminder before this drops tomorrow. Um, yeah, if, be nice. if not, you're fucked. So <laughs> <laughs> the first matchup is saltwater air and the smell after a storm. The smell after a storm. <laughs> Same. It. I mean, I, I am in a landlocked state. It's not like I don't 
enjoy saltwater air as much as the next person, but it doesn't have nearly as many associations for me. Absolutely live. I mean, I prefer the smell of rain, the smell of the air before a storm, if I could pick. But after is close enough. I Yeah, that's one of my favorite things on this earth. Oh, yes. Yes. So that one's easy. But and when I I don't really look at the brackets in advance, I certainly don't. um, Unless it's something like the pop culture bracket that needed a lot of research, I certainly don't prepare an answer in advance. But I just like kind of lightly skimmed it because I saw that there was like a rain air situation in the first round. And I was like, fuck, I hope I'm not just like, that could potentially go all the way. But I looked and oh, man, there's some other good ones. There Oh, so good. I don't know. I, you know what I think I'm going to do for next week, too? What? Because I I picked the same thing. I think I'm going to do myself a mock. <gasps> Please I think I'm gonna do. Fill out a bracket. Oh, my God. I've been trying to get you to do something like this for two years, and then we can talk about yours, too. Thank you. Okay. I'm going to. No. No, 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 no. But, I'm not going to fill out what but, I would pick. I'm going to fill out what I think you should pick. Okay, but can you we really up? want me to put what I'm gonna pick? Right? Yes, please. Okay, please. I I love you. Okay, I'll do mine then. <laughs> Just this <laughs> one time, and we'll I'm see how. I'm giving it goes. you my most pitiful puppy eyes right now. <laughs> like, do I have to send you a picture? Fuck. Yeah, do <laughs> it right now. I want to see. No, <laughs> fluff them boobs. Oh, they can't be fluffed. I don't have a bra. <laughs> okay, send that too. all right so you ready for this week's episode i have been ready also here's some sad puppy eyes in your inbox oh let me see let me see am i smoky the bear sweatshirt okay that's you got it yeah i I mean it's it's not a good picture but like those are some really sad eyes but you're wearing smoky the bear i mean everything's so on theme right now oh yeah i Love Smokey the Bear. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I really do. I love to prevent forest fires. All right. So this week's episode is from a listener suggestion. Um, I have a couple things in the works, as I normally do. Um, but I don't know. I was just feeling something fresh. And I was cleaning out our inbox, kind of, sort of. There's still like a thousand in there. Um, kind of let that go over the holidays. Oops. <laughs> uh, anyways. Um, so yeah, we got an email and it read in part, hi guys, I finished binge listening to all of your episodes a few months ago. Mark safe has become a massive part of my routine and I love listening to not only the disasters, but your guys's banter and love for each other in the podcast. Oh, we do love each other. It's true. It's true. A disaster day I think you would be interested in is the 2013 Rana Plaza factory collapse in Bangladesh. It was a clothing factory that produced clothes for massive companies like Zara and Walmart. It opened my eyes to the horrors of fast fashion and mass consumption. We said. So. Okay. I am drawn to a building collapse. I know you are. Um, you, I mean, just call you Mothman because you, you smell some steel beams trying to come down and there you are. So I did. So normally what I do if I haven't heard of a disaster, I'll usually do like the Wikipedia preview Mm -hmm. just to see if it's something I'm interested in. For sure. Me too. I don't know why I did this. And I think I'm going to start doing it more often 
is I went to the newspapers.com to go through the archives and I started the day of the disaster. Wow. That I, and I kn- knew nothing about this. I don't know how I missed it. Um, I'm embarrassed that I missed it. But so I started and I did my research from the day it happened through newspaper articles on. So it was like I was watching it unfold. And it okay. is fucking maddening. It's it's heartbreaking. It's maddening. It has just about everything. So I did that. And then I went back through and did the Wikipedia, make sure I wasn't missing anything, and then looked up some extra articles. I don't know. I really love this episode. I th- Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lisette, for – I hope I'm saying your name right uh, – for the suggestion. Uh, this one blew me away. It really did. Oh, my goodness. All right. Blow me away, babe. I want to hear it. All right. So, obviously, check your content warnings, please. Oof, okay. I'm going to take a drink real quick. Okay. I got Jack in the box for dinner. I almost spit that out because I just got to Jack in and I didn't know where that was going. <laughs> Oh, shit that I wish I could leave in. <laughs> leave it. I don't care. I just needed a drink. <laughs> I'm like, I might. I'm like, I got to drink a glass of water because this is so heavy. And um, yeah, yeah, there we go. <laughs> There we go. There we go. I, I got to jacking. Got, got, <laughs> got some got some jack in the box. <laughs> and it, it was all right. You know what? This might need some levity. So just, okay. yeah. <laughs> Maybe we keep it because this one's fucking right. bad. Gonna, yeah, we'll leave bloopers in. <laughs> all right. Now I'm going to drink my water without choking on it. Okay, thanks. All right. So the Rana Plaza is situated in Dhaka District of Bangladesh. Its origin story is one for the books. The building's owner, and right off the top, I, I've i had this episode written for several days now, and I have tried to practice, practice, practice these names. If I get them wrong, all apologies. So the building's owner, 35-year-old Soel Rana, was from many accounts a pretty feared political leader, uh, enforcer, not leader, just enforcer. Okay. It appears he dabbled in like guns and maybe some other unsavory things until he decided to switch gears and try his hand at real estate. Oh, what could possibly go wrong? Nothing. Dabble in guns, switch to real estate. It's a natural trajectory. Yes. His family shared ownership of a plot of land with another gentleman, and Soel decided that it would be the perfect place to build. Important to note, this perfect plot of land was a fucking swamp. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like a literal swamp? A literal... Like, sw- like a sw- we're talking Shrek here. Yes. I okay. even made a Shrek reference in here, too. <laughs> oh, I love you. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a swamp. Um, they're most... Of the research that I found, everyone called it a swamp. Other people called it a pond. But the swamp, like, outnumbered the pond references, so... Okay. <laughs> there it is. It's a mushy thing of water. It's not the most hospitable location. It is not. Okay. But but no swamp is going to get in the way of Soel's dreams. No, sir. You know what else wouldn't get in his way? 
the gentleman who shared the deed to the land. Uh-oh. So Al didn't have a clear title because of the shared owner. He, like, it's like, I'm not just going to fucking give you this land for nothing. You know, like, I own part of this. I'm not just going to hand it over. Right. And he still wouldn't do it even after Soel and then his buddies threatened him at gunpoint. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. And because of his political influence, police did not do shit about this threat of violence at all. With the other owner refusing to budge, Soel made the decision to move forward anyways. He falsified the deed and carried on with his building. And with that, Soel received a permit to build a five-story building on a swamp. But Soel was a big dreamer, and he needed a bigger building. Five stories would just not do. So, this fucking guy just willy-nilly added three more levels. Eight levels in a swamp seems fine to me. Mm -hmm. He added these levels without permission. No permit, nothing. Just a couple years later, just decided to add three more levels. Hmm. Okay. That's absolutely how that works. Mm -hmm. I personally don't think, like, this is something that falls through the cracks. Like, this is a massive building. If there's three more levels, like, added illegally, like, somebody is looking the other way. Period. Yeah. Absolutely. Probably the political clout. Maybe everyone. (laughs) Everyone. everyone. Maybe it's not just someone. (laughs) Like, what? That building's always had eight floors. What are you talking about? (laughs) The now eight-story Rana Plaza housed a bank, some shops, apartments, and six clothing factories. It was huge. Also (sighs) important to note, the permit for Rana Plaza was for commercial use, not industrial. What exactly do you, can you explain? Do you know? I hate it when I just spring questions on you like this. It's okay. So what is the difference between industrial and commercial? Because they, I would take them to mean almost the same thing. So your commercial is going to be like your shops, stores, like that type of thing. Industrial is going to be manufacturing, factories, stuff with heavy equipment, that type deal. Okay. Got it. They're yeah. like manufacturing the other ones, just selling stuff like a storefront okay. type deal. I got it. I'm with you now. I'm picking up what you're putting down. So, again, somebody's looking the other way, obviously. But it's okay. Everybody. Everybody. It's okay. Everything is okay. Soel was going to be rich. With the Bangladesh garment industry being one of the largest in the world, Rana Plaza was pumping out a ton of product and factories stayed open around the clock and employed about 5,000 people, mainly women. They had to because the low wages made these factories really enticing for global brands to cut their bottom line, which meant product fulfillment would not slow down anytime soon. The business is booming. Like people want their shirts. They want their their fits, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And they want them cheap. How low are the wages? Well, in 2013, when this happened, Bangladesh's minimum wage was $38 a day. Oh, my. I'm kidding. It was $38 a week. Oh, my. <laughs> I'm fucking with you. It was $38 a month. Oh, fuck. $38 Melanie. a month. Get out. Yes. No. Fucked. That's really bad. See, by the end of this, 
the goal is everyone's just going to walk around naked because nobody's going to want to buy shit anymore after this. <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm telling what you. What else can we put people off of? Where does it end? Elevators, escalators, cruise ships, Pokemon Go, roller coasters, car washes? If I could just have everybody naked, then like I have succeeded, <laughs> right? <laughs> we found your long game. <laughs> Impressive. So, thank you. So, considering during the time that Bangladesh's garment industry accounted for more than three million dollars, three million jobs, like in their country, like it's fucking disgusting. Like at that at that rate, at that pay rate, is just bananas to me. Good corporations, though, and good for Soel. Garment factories in the Rana Plaza were Phantom Apparels Limited, New Wave Style Limited, New Wave Bottoms Limited, and New Wave Brothers Limited. And let me tell you, their list of clients is pretty incredible. We got Walmart, but there's also Gap, uh, which includes its sister stores, Old Navy, Banana Republic. There's the Children's Place, Dress Barn, H&M, Adidas. I mean, the list literally goes on and on forever. On April 23rd, employees noticed something alarming when they went to work. The building, seemingly out of nowhere, started having severe cracks on the lower levels. It was so alarming that the local news channel covered it, showing footage of cracks in the walls and columns missing giant chunks of concrete. Oh. Police, along with building inspectors, were called to Rana Plaza. As soon as Sowell got a whiff of the news, he too arrived to the building. It looked bad. At 10 a.m., 3,200 garment workers were told to take and eat an early lunch. Like, just go to lunch. Mm-hmm. Okay. But at 2 p.m. that afternoon, all employees were told just to go home for the day. Interestingly, though, employees were told that they were just shutting down because, quote, unexplained electricity issues. Is it unexplained or is it because your building's about to fall down? Well, the electricity issues are common for the area. Like everything's kind of overburdened. Like, I don't know. They sent them home. It was no big deal. People were used to it. And so they were told to come back tomorrow at 8 a.m. to resume their shifts. So while Rana, following this, simply refused to close the building. But the rapidly deteriorating building made the workers uneasy, as it fucking should. You should see these pictures. You should see these videos. It is a... They're not tiny cracks. Oh, my. A branch of the BRAC bank inside the building decided to close. They weren't risking it. New Wave managers assured employees that engineers had deemed the building safe because they brought in the, the inspectors and stuff. It is okay. Everything is okay. So they ordered its workers, most of them women, to carry on as normal. And if they failed to show up to work the next day, they would risk termination. Oh, my God. So on April 20, and, you know, $38 a month, like, you can't fucking miss work. And this is, and when I say 30, these women, mainly women, they're working, like, all day, like, 12 to 16 hours a day, six days a week. Jesus Christ. It's not, it's not like a Monday through Friday, nine to five. Like, yeah, they fucking live at these factories. Yeah. 
So on April 24th, the following day, it was business as usual. And it wasn't just the employees that reluctantly showed up to work. Many women also brought their children work. Oh, no. As they often did. The children would stay in nurseries on the second and seventh floors during their mother's shifts. Oh, that just made my throat tight. (laughs) I told you this one is fucking horrible. Okay. And I try to clean this up as much as I could, and it's still, it's it's rough. Mm. All right. So Rana Plaza was only open for 40 minutes when the lights in the building suddenly shut off. Again, nothing unusual because Bangladesh's electricity network leaves some things to be desired. It's poorly maintained and way overburdened. Lights sometimes went out in the factory, sometimes more than a dozen times a day. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. But not to worry. So electricity went off. Rana Plaza had a backup generator. Quote, a jolt went through the building when the generator kicked on. Sometime after the generator switched on, another, far larger jolt shook the floor violently. The building gave a deafening groan. Oh, those are some words I don't like to hear together. Mm-hmm. Zora Bagum, a worker, said, I was at work on the third floor, and then suddenly I heard a deafening sound, but I couldn't understand what was happening. I ran and was hit by something on my head. At 8.30 that morning, the Rana Plaza collapsed. Of course it did. Many of the first responders to the scenes were locals and family members of the employees. 50-year-old construction worker Haimet Ali tucked his ID card into his shirt pocket, telling everyone around him, if I die, please make sure that my body reaches my family. (sighs) He literally was risking it all to make sure he could, like, help rescue some survivors. This is what a tight-knit community, you know. I guess there's thousands of people, but it's like, it's it's a community, you know. Yeah. Locals use hammers, hacksaws, and their bare hands to pull survivors from the wreckage. They always use the flashlights on their cell phones to illuminate dark spaces in hopes of finding anyone alive. Long, colorful sheets of fabrics meant for clothing were tied to the upper floors of the collapsed building and used as slides to get the injured and the dead to the ground. Oh, that's smart, though. It's so fucking smart. Wow. Um, There is video footage of this, and it is chilling like just the whimsy of the textiles like over the wreckage of the building is i've never fucking seen anything like it um they have um there's a really i i already finished this but i was like trying to go through some videos to um like find some pronunciations and i'll see if i can find the photojournalist um he's a local and he took so much video I'll try to tag it in the in the show clips. Maybe we'll put a little star on it. Um, but he took some brilliant photos and some amazing video of like literally like people. It's like the slide on the plane. You know, you come down yeah. like they're holding the bottom and they're just they've got their arms crossed and they're just sliding down like these this pancaked building. It's incredible. I mean, it's heartbreaking, but, but it's what, incredible. What a, yeah, what a, a that is so smart. Yes. Never thought of that. Smarter than so well, let me tell you. Oh, dear. Okay. So news of the collapse 
quickly reached Sowell, and uh, he raced to the site to help victims. He did not do that. (laughs) I'm like, fool me once. (laughs) He immediately went on the run. Oh, okay. He got some Scatino vibes here. Yeah, he pieced the fuck out. He's like, I'm gone. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Just a day after the collapse, General Ali Ahmed Khan, head of the National Fire Service, said that the initial investigation had found that Rana Plaza building had violated codes, with the four upper floors having been constructed illegally without permit. And I will say this now, it's three, it's not four. Um, There's discrepancies upon magazines, but it's it's three. Okay. Um, But yeah, so no fucking duh. There shouldn't have been those extra floors. Uh, yeah. And I still don't understand how no one noticed, like, a five-story building, like, <laughs> magically have three more levels. You know what I mean? Yeah. Building codes literally exist for a reason. Mm-hmm. He also said that the building's foundation was substandard, which also, duh, it was built on a fucking swamp. <laughs> um, and this You'll is have that. This was, this was my uh, Shrek reference. I wrote, Shrek would never. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Shrek would never. You are so right. would never. This is why we're best friends. Uh-huh. The grueling task of finding survivors came day in and day out with the aid of floodlights and torches. But most of the search was done by lowering electric light bulbs on wires into the cavities of the collapsed building. Survivor. Like cavities. That's creepy. <laughs> cavities. Ugh. I don't know. Cody just got back from the dentist a couple hours ago, so that's where my brain. I'm thinking about like body cavities. Yeah, yeah, no. (laughs) Okay. Bad news bears. Okay. It is for sure. Survivor 18 year old Musama Anna said First, a machine fell over my hand and I was crushed under the debris. Then the roof collapsed over me. Rescue workers had to cut off her mangled right hand in order to pull her from the wreckage. The sheer amount of amputees, like, I I cannot even tell you, it was, I had to go back and double check names on some of my pull quotes, because everybody was getting, like, having their arm or their leg or something cut off. It was, I Mm -hmm. never, in any research I've ever done, have seen anything like this ever in my life. Wow. And there was something else that I had not even considered um, with the whole amputee thing. Okay. I mean, other than the fact that they can't do their job now, that's one thing. Right. That's how they were. That was their livelihood. Yeah, exactly. Um, It gets worse. Quote, maimed women can be cast from their homes. (gasps) Oh. Oh, fuck. Okay. Because you're broken, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. Different cultures, you know? Yeah. That's dark. One local, Saiful Islam Nassar, said, I asked her, sister, are you married? She said, yes. I asked her, if I cut off your arm, will your husband take you again? She said, my husband loves me very much. And then I started to cut. <gasps> oh, my God. I told you it's fucking, this is. Oh my God. Can you imagine that that's the conversation you have? Oh, I don't think you've had a poll quote that heavy since the labor and delivery compilation. <laughs> oh my God. 
Ooh. Okay. Among the devastation. I'm telling you, this episode is fucking bananas. I have goosebumps right now. I just Me too. Among the devastation, an absolute miracle. When looking for survivors, rescuers found a woman trapped under the wreckage. A woman and her newborn baby. <gasps> she had went into labor during the Rana Plaza collapse. Oh, that's a little weird because of what I just said. I huh. know. Okay. We are like vibing today. We you know? really are. <laughs> we are vibing hard. Rescue worker Daidar Hosan said she was about 26, 27 years old. When we found her, she said, please save my baby first. The baby was crying when it reached sunlight with its umbilical cord still attached. Holy shit. Didar said, after bringing them out, we placed the baby in a cloth. There were other women around who took the responsibility to cut the umbilical cord. 36 hours after the collapse, rescuers tried to smash through a wall when they heard a woman cry, help, help me get out, cut off my legs, but just get me out of here. And then they heard more and more voices chime in. Rescuers soon discovered that 40 people had been trapped in a room on the third floor together. Most of them made it out with minimal injuries, but were very weak from dehydration. And we're at 36 hours right now. Like it's bystanders at the collapse site erupted and cheered as the survivors were pulled out. The joy would be brief because families were confronted with the reality that time was running out for their one loved ones to be alive. Then came unrest. Um, it reached a boiling point when families who wanted to aid in the search were met with police officers who used batons to disperse the crowds. Shainer Rahman, whose mother was still missing, said, we want to go inside the building and find our people now. They will die if we don't find them soon. That Can cl- you imagine Mm-mm. the helplessness? And it's so hard because it's like... You have your volunteers. You don't want people all just like going in and doing stuff like maybe. No, and you don't want more more people in there that you're going to have to rescue now. Right, right. But But it's like if you're feeling like it's not getting done fast enough, I mean, I would go through hell and high water and do anything I can if it were one of my family members. Of course. If it was you. I was about to say that. We really are vibing. I was going to say that. I was like, no. (laughs) I would be in that building, Brianne. I would. Yes. It's it's such a hot me. I'm the cult leader. Yes. I have to save my cult leader. (laughs) (laughs) So that clash um, resulted in 50 injuries, which we, we don't need any more injuries. People aren't injured enough right now. Yeah. Corporate America came out quickly to save face in the light of the disaster. Walmart immediately said that none of its clothing had been authorized to be made at that facility. <laughs> oh, we're pulling the, yeah, it was happening, but we didn't say it could happen. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, got it. Got but, it. They, Love that. but don't worry, because they were going to do their own investigation um, to see if there was like any, you know, unauthorized production. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it doesn't take a whole lot of investigating because one of the factories in Rana Plaza building, Ethertex, literally has Walmart listed as a customer on their fucking oh, website. Oh, come the fuck on. Oh, my God. 
It's embarrassing. It's so embarrassing. It is embarrassing. Do better. By Friday, the 27th, three days after the collapse, protests intensified. Bangladesh police fired tear gas and rubber bullets into crowds of, quote, stick-wielding workers. Uh, Okay. I guess police everywhere are just... (laughs) Yeah, police be policing, that's for sure. Yep. Protesters stopped highway traffic, smashed over 150 vehicles, and vandalized garment factories that refused to close during a declared day of mourning. I mean, I'd be fucking pissed, too. Yeah. Demonstrators waved black flags as they called for the arrest of Soel Rana, who was still on the run. Officials initially said that they would halt rescues after 72 hours, but with survivors still being pulled out and the threat of rioting, they decided that it would be in their best interest just to keep on going. Mm. One of the next survivors to be found was 21-year-old Marina. Marina worked on the fourth floor on a knitting machine. When the class began, she tried to run to the door, but the ceiling came crashing down. She managed to crawl to a space where a section of the collapsed ceiling landed onto toppled pillars. So it kind of like made this like cave, you know? Yeah. Marina was one of about 10 people trapped in her area where they would have stayed for three days. Dehydrated and desperate, the group started drinking their own urine until someone found a fallen drum of water used for ironing and passed it around with what was left in a little bottle cap. Wow. Marina was terrified to sleep. Like, it was just one of those moments, like, she thought, like, if I fall asleep, I'm I'm not going to wake up. So she's, like, forcing herself to stay awake in this incredible situation. It's just... Uh, I cannot wrap my brain around it. No. But I I absolutely love stories like this with the, you know, human perspective. Right. She wondered if her two sisters, Faye, um, who also worked at the factories, there's a lot of families in these factories. Um, When she was rescued, she would learn that both her sisters, Shaina and Shuli, were both able to run out and survive the disaster. Thank God. On Saturday, the 28th, rain hampered rescue efforts, but despite the adverse condition, 29 more people were rescued. Rescuers drilled a hole from the side of the building into the deepest part of the wreckage where the second and third floors were now pancaked together. Two volunteers, 28-year-old Cameron and 30-year-old Atan, were both rickshaw poolers. And if anyone is unfamiliar with the term, it's where a person... These days, usually on a bike, pulls a two-wheeled cart that has, like, a seat or two for passengers. Okay. So, they're rickshaw pusher. Uh, they're, nope. They're rickshaw pullers. And, you know, since their job is, like, so physically demanding, like, these were lean, lean guys. Yeah. Um, And so, they were able to slip into, like, the narrow holes and cracks to look for survivors. Wow. In just one night. Those two rescued 23 people just by themselves. Oh, my God. Isn't that fucking crazy? Yes. The same day, authorities start making a slew of arrests. They detained five people, including two factory owners, Bazoulas Samad and Mamadur, on capital charges of, quote, death by negligence. Authorities also arrested government engineers Amitam Hussan and Alam Maya for giving the, quote, all clear just hours before the collapse. 
They also detained Sewell's wife for questioning because that piece of shit is still on the run, but not for long. Six days after the collapse on Sunday, the 29th, Sowell Rana was captured and arrested in the western Bangladesh border town of Benapol, where he was trying to flee to India. He was brought <laughs> back to the capital of Dhaka by helicopter to face his charges finally. And I love the pettiness. Of th- I fucking love this. So when he was arrested, like they announced it at the on over the loudspeaker at the disaster site. Oh, hell yes. And so, like, everybody just stopped and was, like, going fucking bananas cheering <laughs> that this guy, this piece of shit's finally, like, arrested. Yeah. He should be so embarrassed. He should be so embarrassed. Um, It was a moment of levity that would be short-lived, though. Of course. A woman was found alive in the debris, and rescuers went quickly to work, cutting through a steel rod to pull her out. Sparks caught the wreckage on fire, forcing them to retreat while firefighters tried desperately to get a handle on the blaze. Crying, one West rescuer said, we could not save her, even though we heard her voice this morning. Oh, my God. So he's like, you know, I'm like going through these timelines with with Cody and like I get to this part and he's like, can you imagine like surviving days on end of this absolutely horrific fucking disaster and your rescue like what a fucking heinous way to go. Heinous. And like I just I just I, I mean yes, the loss of life, but for the people that you know, they're spending hours on and just trying to save these people and an accident like this, just a freak accident like this happens. It's yeah. just, it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. It, it's, it's heartbreaking. Days passed and eventually, as it does, search and rescue turned into a recovery mission. On May 10th, 17 days after the collapse, workers were still combing through the wreckage. One worker said, I was cutting iron rods when suddenly I found a silvery stick just moving from a hole. I looked closer and I heard someone calling, please save me. Oh, my God. I immediately called over soldiers and firefighters. 17 days, Rian. 17 days. Oh, my God. 17 days. Can you believe that? No. Like, my jaw is on the ground right now. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? So, a 19-year-old woman named Reshma Begum had managed to survive the collapse and then last, like, a whole ass 17 days. Oh, trapped. my God. And then is strong enough to be saying, please save me, at the end yes. of Yes. Oh, my God. She said, I heard voices of the rescue workers for several days. I kept hitting the wreckage with sticks and rods to attract their attention. No one heard me. I ate dry food for 15 days. The last two days, I had nothing but water. So she was like. She's on some survival shit in here. Right. Reshma had survived by scavenging for biscuits in the bags of her dead co-workers and drinking rain, the rainwater from the storm that had come. Oh, what an incredible woman. After 40 minutes, Reshma was pulled to safety, placed on a stretcher, and taken to the hospital. The, these pictures are like insane too because it's like she's 
wearing her purple dress and she has like this hot pink scarf around her and it's just like with all this devastation around her it's just like i don't know you guys have to look at these pictures i i I cannot explain it it's 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 something else i can't wait to see these Army officer Charles Jamal said it is incredible that someone could have survived in the wreckage 408 hours after the building came down. Her will to live is amazing. Yes, it is. Eventually, the death toll would climb to 1,134 people with an additional 2,500 injuries. Oh, my God. The loss is like, I just... It's it, it's hard to even wrap your head around. On April 30th, Sowell was brought to DACA Metropolitan Magistrate's Court in a bulletproof vest because I'm sure everybody wanted him fucking dead. The courts gave the authorities um, an additional 15 days to interrogate Sowell uh, before filing formal charges. I do think that they were trying to find like some extra things to charge him with because at this point, the crimes that he was being accused of only carried a maximum of seven years. Okay. Yeah. All right. More on that later, though. A mass funeral was held for 300 individuals whose bodies were too battered or decomposed to be identified. Mm. Bodies were taken uh, to the mass grave on a flatbed truck. Quote, onlookers covered their noses. One woman rushed through the crowd to the back of the truck, wailing that one of the bodies was her sister's. She begged to take it as family members held onto her to keep her from collapsing. Oh, my God. A mass grave like this is heartbreaking enough, but we'll see soon that it causes even more problems for the victims and families in the future. Protests continued and the collapse at Rana Plaza reignited the conversation over fast fashion, unfair pay, and deplorable working conditions. And also, who was culpable? Claire Lissaman from the Ethical Fashion Forum said, Legally, the responsibility of retailers is only to their shareholders. But morally, if they are making money off the backs of people who are dying, then absolutely they have a responsibility. Yeah, they do. But companies historically will always choose profit in their bottom line over ethics. We know this. We've covered it over and over and over again. Could Rana Plaza collapse have been avoided? Um, of course, um, multiple ways. Interestingly, brands had an opportunity in 2011 to do their part. So the Bangladeshi and international unions presented a plan to no longer use government inspections. Government inspections have been proven to be infrequent, like they hardly ever happen. And they're very, it's very corrupted, obviously. Okay. Mr. Yeah. Sowell and his political clout, right? Mm-hmm. They wanted their own side inspection thing. The unions wanted to establish an independent agency that would oversee all factories in Bangladesh, giving them the power to shut down unsafe operations. It would be funded by the corporations for the low, low cost of just up to $500,000 a year, which is fucking pennies for places like Walmart. Yeah. But when the proposal was presented at a meeting with Walmart, Gap, and H&M, to name a few, they're like, nah, we're good on that. Well, I'm shocked. Mm -hmm. Walmart's representatives said that it was, by the way, remember, Walmart, they have nothing to do. They didn't have their stuff at this factory. No, somebody must have been sneaking and doing it there. Yeah. 
crazy. They didn't tell him to. Walmart's representative said that it was, quote, not financially feasible to make <laughs> such investments. It's not feasible. Walmart just can't swing it. Sorry, guy. We're a, we're poor. Oh, my Lord. Okay. Do you, How do they look themselves in the mirror? Do you have any change, sir? Uh, that, yeah, that's, that's Walmart yeah. right there. Yeah. Gap, which owns Old Navy and Banana Republic, which I said before, were worried that by agreeing to the proposal, it would actually open them up to lawsuits. And they were not trying to pay all that money for safety upgrades. Of course they weren't. H&M basically said, this is a Bangladesh problem, not a retailer problem. <laughs> like, Yeah, leave us out oh. of it. Oh, my God. In June 2013, President Obama announced suspension of U.S. trade privileges because of concerns about labor rights and worker safety after the collapse. I was trying to find, like, the timeline on this and, like, if it was got restored. And I don't think it's ever been restored. Like, I saw news articles up to, like, this year where, like, um, like, Bangladesh is, like, hoping to have talks very soon about, like, getting their privileges back. And I don't know if it's been like restored, taken away, restored, or if it's just been like taken away since then. But in July, 2013, 17 American retailers, including Walmart, Gap, Target, and Macy's decided probably just to save face at this point, because everybody's pissed that they were going to do something. Oh, how sweet of them. Mm hmm. The North American agreement would consist of a $42 million fund to be set up to implement a five-year plan. Which Did they have like a bake sale to pull this off? Yeah, I don't know. How can they afford it? I don't know. <laughs> so it was a five-year plan which would require factories to be inspected within a year and the results would be made public. Companies could, of course, this is in the agreement, they could spend more than the forty-two million if they wanted to. Sure. Yeah. To to I'm, make. I'm sure they all do. Like if they see a problem, like they can they can pitch in more money to make it safer. Um, I don't think they were feeling that generous though. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was a voluntary basis. Yeah, I, I I doubt it happened. Anyways, we all know how this goes. It's gonna blow over. One day, no one's going to know about it. I mean, I didn't know about it. I don't know. Maybe I was drunk in 2013, but <laughs> we know about it again. We're we're not letting this shit blow over. <sighs> Labor groups quickly called them out on it, though, noting that the North American agreement was less stringent than the accord reached with the European companies. So the European companies, they were like, hey, we'll do some stuff, too. They did a lot more than us. Um, you know, what? America being cheap. <laughs> we, we are it's just a stand up country. Yeah, we are. <laughs> In a joint statement, the International Labor Rights Forum and the National Garment Workers Federation of Bangladesh described the North American agreement as a, quote, a sham. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thunk it? No. After the investigation was completed, there were a multitude of issues that caused the collapse at the Rana Plaza. These included that, quote, the building was built on a filled-in pond, which is compromised structural integrity, the conversion from commercial use to industri industrial use, 
the addition of floors above the original permit, and the use of substandard construction material, which led to an overload of the building structure aggravated by vibrations due to the generators and heavy industrialized machinery. So basically, mm. like all these sewing machines, you, like you see them, they're like, like that was a part of this collapse, like the vibrations. So this, I mean, that tells me though, that this is then a risk for every place like this, potentially. Yeah. Or at least, I mean, not every, but you know, that's something you got to think about with other factories. Yeah. No bad vibrations. Oh my God. Only good vibrations. (laughs) This is carrying over two episodes. (laughs) (laughs) A year after the collapse, 18 people were now facing criminal charges, but the trials would be anything but speedy. The other accused included Sowell's parents, Abdul Kalik and Morzina Begum, engineer Sajid Hussan and Savar Mayor Mohammed, and associate professor of the Kulina University ATM, Musad Reza, who was the architect of the building. So everybody, they're getting everywhere. 18 people right now. The victims and their families wanted justice, and it seemed to be going at a snail's pace. And so is compensation. Almost a year after the disaster, compensation remained slow, and the official list of the dead was still not even fucking complete. That's horrifying. And then there was a whole-ass DNA debacle. Families who lost a mother or daughter had to prove their losses to authorities' satisfaction. So they they had to be like, my mom died, you know? Yeah. So the United States, we stepped in and offered relatives DNA testing kits. And they even collected samples. But because America fucking half-asses everything, it seems like, That's as far as it got because Bangladesh (laughs) didn't have the computer software to match those samples with the dead. We're like, here's all this stuff. And like, we we couldn't complete it for them. I mean, we can't even fucking complete our own shit. So I don't even know why I'm asking that. Like, we're backlogged to death over here. But that has to be so fucking disappointing after you've gone... As far as giving a DNA sample, Mm -hmm. and then there's just nothing. Nothing. (sighs) But, so you get the DNA thing, but what if your loved one was one of the 300 unidentified that was buried in a mass grave? (sighs) What if? Like, you can't prove that they were in the building. You can't... I mean, they, they're they're making you prove that you're related some to someone. You think they're making it any easier to prove, like, that that person just didn't go, you know, yeah, off of somewhere not. else? It's, it's yeah. disgusting. I mean, clearly, they're just going to have it be a thing where everyone just decided to go start a new life it's, all at once. Yeah. All, it's the whole thing's maddening. The Bangladesh government promised victims and their families compensation and donations from an emergency relief fund, but noted that it was not sustainable long term. Commerce Minister Ghulam Mohammed Qadar said 
The problems are overwhelming for the government and society. We are a resource-constrained country. Even if the government gives full compensation, it's just a stopgap. We are trying to do is rehabilitate someone in the family so they can stand on their own feet. Insert huge eye roll. Yeah. It's like, we just want you to get back to work. So, so thoughtful. (laughs) And the money did dry up quickly, like just in a couple years. Rubina Begum said, for nine years, I had a monthly income and managed to support my family. But today I don't. The compensation I got after the crash was mostly spent on my treatment. Now I can't work like I used to. And I have no regular income. And there are days I wish I had not survived Rana Plaza. Oh, that's so heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Amaral Hakamind, president of the National Garment Workers Federation, Bangladesh's largest union, said the injured workers are living with the mental and physical scars of Rana Plaza. Most are daily wage workers now with injuries that make it difficult for them to take up full-time jobs. The compensation they received dried up very fast, leaving them with nothing. Like they're worse off. They're, I mean, they're they're already worse off, but it's like, I can help somebody help them. A stone memorial now stands at the site of Rana Plaza collapse it was erected by the Workers' Party of Bangladesh, and it has two granite fists clutching a hammer and sickle. The epitaph reads, our memories are sprayed with a billion tears. We will never forget. But, I mean, obviously, people, yeah, everyone is forgotten. And justice still has not been served, by the way. Upward of 40 people, including government officials, are facing charges only so well remains in jail awaiting trial. And I'm pretty sure these are like from like non-related fucking charges. <laughs> um, uh, that's so frustrating. The other trials for murder and other charges were delayed due to like appeals with the Supreme Court of Bangladesh. The murder trial resumed in February of 2022. But as of this recording, there there's no update. I... There's nothing. I don't know if there's just more appeals going on, but hopefully as we come up, we got the 10th anniversary um, of the Rana Plaza collapse this April, like fucking justice, like something like bring this back up, you know, to where people are more aware of what happened, you yeah. know, because fast fashion, it's like, it's still, it's a huge problem. It's a huge, it's, I wager it's getting fucking worse, you oh, know, sure. I don't know. And that is the horrific story of the Rana Plaza collapse. Oh, my God. It's a horrific thing that happened, but you did a fucking incredible job telling the story. Thank you. You should be very proud of this episode. I am very proud. Um, That was a great suggestion. Thank you so much, Lisette, for for sending that one in. Um, I don't know what compelled me to look at it through newspapers first i think i'm gonna start fucking doing that with the stuff i don't hear like just finding articles from the day instead of getting like the the preview yeah god that sounds so overwhelming but i mean look what an episode it made it made me very emotional cody was super emotional he had like tears in his eye he was just 
It's like, how can how are you guys not desensitized anymore? I'm like, no, we're not desensitized, mm-hmm. but it's just if anything, it just makes us more aware of just like how awful fucking everything is. And yeah. also to want to change, like to help change, be a change, help others, you know, want to change this shit. And then we'll all just be naked together. In my cult. Yes. I'm willing to I, I don't like to hand over much control of my cult. And I'm not, but I am willing to be open to the possibility of it being a naked cult. Okay. I love that. I love that. I mean, just think of all the money you would save. Yeah. I mean, if you yeah. think about it, because that's what you want to do in a cult is you want the money. And if people spending money on the clothes, then that's, that's getting your bottom line, Brian. And where else can they go to spend their money? They're naked. I know. So like, it's not like they can go to the movies or something. I love it. Let's yeah. do it. Love to see it. Nike 2023. <laughs> <laughs> Please run for president. Yes. All right. I'll right. run for cult leader and you can just look the other way about my crimes. Okay. <laughs> I will. I will for sure. All right. You ready for some disaster relief? Oh my God. We need it after that. Yep. All right. Shall I go first? Go for it. All right. Um, I watched Downfall, the movie about Boeing, the other day. Oh, is it good? It's really good. It's a document. I think I said movie. A documentary. It's really good. You know how I feel about documentaries. It was a really well done one. And I have been preaching to the choir about Boeing Maxes for a minute now. Mm-hmm. And like... Yeah, I, I mean, I I am every time I have a loved one who's flying, I'm like, give me your flight information so I can look, look up it what up. Kind of plane yeah. you're going to be on. <laughs> if you're going to be on a Boeing Max, no, you're not. <laughs> Just switch it up, yeah, please. Yeah, no, you're not. I will go to the airport and I will lay in front of the plane's wheels because you're not getting on a <laughs> Boeing Max. Um, I am fucking high strung about it. And I uh, watched it a couple days ago and I'm like, yes, this is why I'm telling people this. Um very well made documentary. Highly recommend it for people who are interested in this kind of content. And uh yeah, that's my disaster. Ooh, I'll check it out, I'll check it out. <laughs> Mine is so I got the Lego botanical, the bonsai tree, and I fucking love it. So I knew you were gonna do that. As soon as you sent me the picture, I was like, Well, this is gonna be her disaster relief. <laughs> oh, it was so nice. Sissy and I worked on it a little bit. Um today so we got that one and then we got um the bouquet of flowers we're working on that together like it's kind of our our thing like she's the only one that appreciates lego like me <laughs> um but we did the bonsai tree and it is so fucking cool um a lot like their um descriptions and stuff everything like through the instructions um, a lot of their uh, new Legos that they're doing, like they're really working on being more sustainable. So they're doing, I was reading through it and a lot of their newer pieces are made of plastics derived from plants. Oh, cool. Uh, from sugar cane. And I think that is oh. so fucking rad. And instead of like making new molds and stuff, they're doing, they use a lot of um, recycled molds. 
So in the bonsai tree, like the tulips, like if you just look at it, it looks like it's got like cherry blossoms on them. But they're actually like cute little pink frogs. I know. The frog detail just killed me when you sent me that. Oh, they're so cute. And then um, like they'll tell you through the instructions, like which molds they were used. Like some of the um, branches that hold them on are like handlebars from a, like a doll bike. Just really cool wow. shit like that. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I just, I, I want all of them now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, take my money, Lego. And but. they've got really cute packaging on those, don't they? Like, they come in these, like, fancy little black boxes, I think. They're, maybe? yes. They're fucking, yeah. they're definitely geared towards adults. But it was funny because, you know, I'll, you know, I'll do Lego with Aria where we're just doing, like, the kids' stuff. This is the first time I've bought, you know, an adult one. Yeah. And, um, she was telling me today when we were working on the bouquet, she was like, she's like, mom, I don't know if this is weird. She's like, but I like the grown up ones better. And I'm like, fuck, they're more expensive. Don't uh, yeah, tell they're me so that. so expensive. But I mean, <laughs> I think it's a little more complicated for her. And she, she, she loves the STEM stuff. So like yeah. building. So I don't know. It's been fun and I love it. So if anybody's looking to, for grown up Lego, I, the the bonsai's a little bit of a bitch to put together. It's completely worth it. The bouquet's really fun. It doesn't it doesn't take a whole lot of time, but it's relaxing. It looks relaxing, and the end result is gorgeous. And you put it in such a cute terrarium. I thought they sent a terrarium with it. No, I wish so. This terrarium, like I all the plants died because I was like, you know. And I just never put anything back in there. I went through like <laughs> it was like after my brother died, and I was just like dye everything including plants yep. so now i've got an awesome bonsai tree in this terrarium and it looks so profession beautiful and it really does it looks lovely it looks like it was made to go there yeah and it can live forever <laughs> <laughs> all right we do have some a uh, couple patreons today we have lucky and your buddy is mindy pollock so go donate food go donate blood go donate blood go did, donate did i do that backwards no, I don't think so. Blood food. Man, I've been doing a lot of talking. Anyway, <laughs> go donate this. Give your shit away, even if it's inside your body cavity. Yes, yes. Get rid of it. You don't need it. Donate your clothes so people don't have see you would. Ooh, hey, that's a great tie-in. Yeah, Yes, donate clothes. And on the other hand, thrift. Don't buy. Let's let's thrift. Let's Let's come on. Listen, we've come full circle. That was mm-hmm. That was a beautiful... Tie in at the end. I love it. Or be naked. <laughs> or be naked in my cult. See me after. <laughs> uh, thank you guys so much for supporting us. And until next time, sweet dreams or no dreams. Sweet dreams or no dreams. Hey, horrible ghouls. Hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you would like to share your personal Mark Safe moment, you can send it to us at marksafepodcast at gmail.com. Please give our podcast a rate, review, and subscribe, and tell your buddies about us too. That goes a long way. If you want to further elevate your support, check out our Mark Safe Patreon page, where we have shoutouts, goodies, and some bonus content in the works. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks again, and as always, stay safe.